Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Raspberry Pi Pod podcast. My name is Michael Horn. I'm a Raspberry Pi enthusiast and blogger. It's getting colder now, but I'm still podcasting from the den at the bottom of my garden. Recently, I've been trying out some add-on boards for review, and of course, keeping up with all the Pi news and events. As before, if I mention something in the podcast, I'll link to it in my blog so that you can find out more information. Now, on with the news. There's a new issue of the Magpie out, issue number 51. In it, there's a massive feature on building robots by Brian Cortiel, a report on Bethany Fentiman's Wizard Chess, and a guide on how to make a Raspberry Pi controlled underwater robot, along with all the news, reviews and projects that you'd normally find in the Magpie. You can download the issue for free from the Raspberry Pi website, buy it from Good News Agents and the Pi Hut, or even buy it via the app that you can download from the Magpie website. There's been a report of a security vulnerability in Linux that affects Raspberry Pi owners. It's known as Dirty Cow, and the vulnerability could allow malicious hackers to take control of your hardware. Fortunately, Raspbian is easily patched. All you need to do is start up your Pi, open up a console, and type a couple of commands in to fix it. The commands are sudo apt-get update and sudo apt-get install raspberry pi-kernel. PA Consulting run an annual Raspberry Pi competition for schools, and they've announced that this year's competition is now open for entry. There are three categories, primary schools, secondary schools, and sixth form slash colleges. The winning team in each category receives £1,000 in prize money. You can register your school's interest at the link which is reachable from the blog post. And finally, for my German listeners, the second issue of the German language version of the Magpie is now out. It's 100 pages long and is €9.95 in print or €6.50 for digital. That's it for all the news. Here's some product-related information. The Magpie has published another four books in the Essential series in print format. They are Learn to Code with Scratch, Hacking and Making in Minecraft, Simple Electronics with GPIO Zero, and Learn to Code with C. They're great books to get you started with learning, and well worth the price of just $3.99 each. You can get hold of them from the Pi Hut. And they are, of course, still available to download for free from the Magpie website. Have you ever wanted to put a pie underneath a car's wheels? Well, now you can, with Lincoln Bin's Industrial Enclosure. This is an update of their original model and is now Pi 2 and Pi 3 compatible. They've even thought to add acrylic end plates so that the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth signal from the Pi 3 can get out of the solid metal box. It's quite impressive. You can literally lower a car down onto the top of it and it can withstand the force. Just take a look at the link in the blog post. And finally, in products news, the Just Boom family of audio boards, which was announced by Pi Supply recently, are now available from the Pi Hut as well as from Pi Supply. That's it for products news. Now to look at the world of crowdfunding. My favourite new crowdfunding campaign is for the Rabbit Max Flex, which is created by Bulgarian Leon and Avi. It's a hat form factor add-on board for the Pi, which hosts a relay, a buzzer, a button, an infrared transmitter, which is an infrared LED, an infrared receiver, which is a photo sensor, an RGB LED, slots for five I2C sensors, 
and a slot for a 16x2 LCD display. It's a slightly odd board with a strange combination of components, but I like it. The sensor possibilities are great and the LCD is useful for being able to monitor the readings. Leon sent me one of the boards and I've had a look at it, and also at the code that comes with it. And it's got a lot of potential, particularly for Internet of Things projects. Take a look at the campaign if you can, it's well worth a look, and I've put the link in the blog post. Now for events. Firstly, I'd like to just tell you about a fantastic event I attended a couple of weeks ago, which was the Derby Mini Maker Fair. This was my first Maker Fair, and I was thoroughly impressed by the number of projects that were on show there. Raspberry Pi highlights included Steve Upton and his Wall of Enlightenment, which are huge strings of blinkies hanging from the ceiling. Brian Cortil's Micro Pi Noon, robot on robot action, um, popping balloons, great fun and Derek Woodroth's Tesla coils driven from a Raspberry Pi Zero. There were around a hundred maker displays and a whole variety of making activity going on including plastics, wood, textiles, you name a maker activity it was there. I thoroughly recommend going next year if you're in the vicinity. It took me about two hours to drive there but it was well worth every minute. I've done a highlights video, um, see the blog post for the link if you're interested in seeing lots of the projects that were on display there, including the Tesla coils, which I'm sure will be everybody's favourite. It certainly was mine. Now, for some upcoming events. Tonight is the long-running Preston Raspberry Jam. Tomorrow is the Stafford Raspberry Jam. And on Saturday the 12th of November, we've got the Cornwall Tech Jam, the Hull Raspberry Jam, a jam in Middletown, New Jersey, the Lisbon Raspberry Jam, and the Torbay Tech Jam. On Sunday 13th of November, this, that's this coming Sunday, the fabulous sold out Wimbledon Raspberry Jam is being held, led by my two good friends Albert Hickey and Kat Lamin. This is one, if you haven't got tickets, try and get tickets for the next one. It looks to be a really good event, lots of mixtures of projects and show and tell and workshops going on. It's a really well planned event. On Tuesday 15th of November, there's a Taipei Raspberry Jam. And on Saturday the 19th of November, We've got a Jackson, New Jersey jam, a Switzerland raspberry jam, and a Bogota raspberry jam. Further afield, on Saturday the 3rd of December, we've got the Cambridge raspberry jam. This is the one that myself and Tim Richardson run. We'll have a usual mix of talks, workshops, marketplace and show and tell. Tickets are already available, although workshops are still to be worked out. If you'd like to attend, myself and Tim would love to see you and you can get tickets from camjam.me but I'll put a link in the blog post. If you want to advertise your event on this podcast the first thing to do is to make sure that it's on the Raspberry Jam calendar at raspberrypi.org slash jam I'll pick it up from there or you can email me at mike at or contact me via the blog um, and I'll advertise your event. It's completely free um, it's a good way of getting your event in front of people. Alternatively, you can record an audio clip about your jam, and I'll add it to the podcast. That's it for events. Now on to some projects. We've got quite a lot to get through this episode, so let's make a start. A man called Mike Smith has lots of vinyl records, and he wanted to create a system to help him keep track of where each one was on his shelves. So he's taken a Raspberry Pi, lots of NeoPixel strands, and an Adafruit Fade Candy board to control them. The Pi has a web interface and a database of all the records and their locations. 
When you select a record from the user interface, the Pi lights up the area of the shelving where the record's located and then lights up a single LED to tell you exactly where the record is. The whole system is also capable of putting on some pretty oppressive lighting effects and is also controllable via the web interface. The folks over at Dexter Industries have been looking at the Google Cloud Vision API and how it can be used to do image recognition online. They've used their experimentation with the API to create a great project. It's a robotic candy sorter. Chocolate bars are placed on a conveyor belt which drops them one by one into a basket. There's an ultrasonic sensor which tells, you, tells the pie when a new chocolate bar has gone into the basket. It then takes a picture of the chocolate bar, sends it off to the Google Cloud Vision API which identifies what brand of chocolate it is and that result gets sent back to the pie which then determines whether to keep it or throw it. I particularly like the fact that they are throwing away Snickers bars. They can send them to me, I've got no problem with that. We've just passed Halloween as you may have noticed and David Pride had great fun on this trick-or-treaters by scaring the bejesus out of them. He hooked up a motorised mechanism to a piece of garden trellis and on top of the trellis he stuck a scary ghoul mask. When an ultrasonic sensor detected the presence of a trick-or-treater the mechanism was activated and the ghoul mask springs up like a jack-in-the-box. You can read more about the build on David's blog and you, there's also a video there where you can see it in action if you haven't done by watching this podcast. There's a fire sculpture making the rounds in the United States at the moment. It's called Le Atrata and was created by a group called Therm. Le Atrata is made up of three stainless steel moths with 12 foot wingspans set on top of 18 foot high spires. The moths which are turb turbine-driven blast furnaces, ignite, spark, pop and whine, while three human musicians play them like instruments. There are 2,000 programmable LEDs embedded in the sculpture, and they glow and shift, projecting incredible light patterns. These LEDs are controlled by a Raspberry Pi 3 and the Fade Candy Board. You can read more by following the links from the blog. Well, after that quite exciting project, Here's a nice relaxing one. Karen Hufkins is a research associate at Harvard University. His research focuses on understanding the relation between climate change and seasonal variability in vegetation growth. In other words, see how quickly your vegetation grows depending on what the weather's like. He's also a maker and software developer and he's brought all these interests together to create something he's called the virtual forest. The project uses a Raspberry Pi 2 to capture via a Ricoh Theta SUSB camera, a very expensive piece of hardware, a forest scape and then deliver that picture to the internet over an ethernet cable. You can try it out yourself online and read a lot more about the project by visiting the Virtual Forest website. A guy called Maxim has used a Raspberry Pi to create a chess computer and he's documented the entire process. As part of the documentation, he teaches you how to build a noughts and crosses or tic-tac-toe machine. The chessboard itself is controlled by an Arduino, which receives commands from a Raspberry Pi which runs the Stockfish chess engine. It's completely self-contained and you just press a button and away you go and you can play a game against the Pi. You can see a video of it in action via the blog post or as an overlay to this video podcast. When I saw this next project, I just thought, isn't science wonderful? 
and slightly strange. A team from MIT has published a paper in which they describe an experiment they've conducted which can detect bomb-making substances using spinach plants and a raspberry pie using an infrared camera. So you grow the spinach in the soil which has bomb-making substances in it. The spinach changes colour underneath an infrared light and you can detect bombs that way. I'm not too sure about the practical application of doing that but it's certainly very exciting. It's a way of using nature to defeat a common evil. It's all very sciencey, and you can read the entire article published in Nature Materials if you'd like. The BBC have summed it up best on their website and you can find both links in the blog post. Joshua Crozenbrink works for Usabilia and he is presenting them with something he's called the World of Light. It's a map of the world represented by 426 RGB LEDs powered by a 30 amp power supply. The Raspberry Pi runs an API that is used to send data to affect the map and he has hooked up his company's website so that when they receive feedback the map changes colour depending on where the feedback came from. More photos are available over at Hackaday and you can see it in action in a video on the blog post. If you read my blog or you've seen previous podcasts you know how much I love music projects and this is one of the best I've seen. Wendell Kapustiak has built a self-playing wooden pipe organ. The organ has 42 wooden pipes representing three and a half chromatic octaves. Each wooden pipe is different and had to be custom cut to be exactly the right size to play the right note. A blower used to call data centers was modified to provide air pressure to the organ's wind chest which supplies the air for the pipes. The valves for the pipes which causes them to play are opened and closed using solenoids. The main processor is a Raspberry Pi, which provides a user interface for selecting songs and sends MIDI instructions to an Arduino Duet, which has a pin assigned for each pipe. A transistor board boosts the activation signal so that the solenoids fire. It certainly makes a beautiful sound in full flow. Here's an excerpt from an interview with Wendell, in which you can hear the machine in action. You can read more about the build over at his blog and see the full video there. Uh, the, the main processor is a Raspberry Pi sitting on top and it does two things. One, it maintains a user interface so that I can select songs to play. And the other thing it does is it feeds MIDI instructions, essentially note on and note off instructions to the Arduino because I have one pin assigned to each of the 42 notes that the organ plays and the Douay has enough pins to do that. My top project for this episode is this brilliant Raspberry Pi controlled skateboard from Matt Timmons Brown, the Raspberry Pi guy. A Pi Zero sends a servo signal to a speed controller which is powered by a 22 volt 8 amp battery. The control signal is then sent to a motor an absolutely mahoosive 63mm alien power system brushless one that is rated for 80 amps, 3200 watts and carries the skateboard at speeds of up to 30 kilometers per hour although apparently it's a lot faster when you're actually on the thing. The skateboard itself has two boxes on the bottom protecting the battery and the electronics and the Wiimote controller is used to control the amount of power applied to the motor over Bluetooth. 
Matt reckons the skateboard has a range of at least 10 kilometers, although he hasn't tried it for that far. He's written just over 100 lines of code, object-oriented Python, to drive the skateboard, which he's posted online. You can catch a video of him riding the skateboard via the blog, or you've just seen it if you're watching the video version of this podcast. It's a brilliant project. I just want to give a shout out to the guys over at Cambridge Makespace who helped him put the hardware together for the project. That's it for this episode. Thanks for watching. I might record the next episode from up in the main house because it's getting quite cold here. As always, if you know about any Raspberry Pi projects, pieces of news, crowdfunding projects or events, please get in contact via the blog and we'll get them in front of the camera. Thank you very much for listening or watching and I'll catch you next time. Bye.